Episode 36 of the Page One Podcast. I'm Tarek. I'm Marco. Hope everyone's doing okay today. It's uh, The weather certainly perked up a little bit. Yeah, taking today. a turn for the better. Everyone's... Uh, Hottest day in the UK yesterday. Yeah, sunning themselves. Were you, were you down the beach, Marco, yesterday? Oh yeah, I couldn't wait. No, <laughs> in, I, your, in your sealed bubble? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm slowly easing myself out of lockdown. Nice, I think it's nice. fair to say. Left the bedroom the first time this morning. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, if this is your first Page One podcast, thanks for joining us. At the Page One podcast, we like to speak to writers of all kinds about their writing careers, how they got into the industry, what their process is, and try and get as many hints and tips as possible. We've had some great guests on in the past, people like David Baldacci, Sarah Pimbra, Harriet Tice, Tim Levin, there's lots of authors and screenwriters there, so if you take a look at the previous episodes, hopefully you'll find some that you like. Um, this week we've got another great guest, we've got the best-selling author Sheila O'Flanagan, who has written over 25 books, uh, and her latest book, The Women Who Ran Away, is due out in July. Uh, we had a great chat with Sheila about how she changed from a career in finance into becoming a best-selling international author, uh, which is a jump I think many people would like to make. It's pretty much the dream, I think. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And she's got lots of useful hints and tips about, uh, you know, how to how to craft a, a realistic story because all of her books have very grounded female protagonists and they're put in situations that you can, you know, that everyone can recognise. And I think that's why the books are so popular, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's a great chat with Sheila. So we'll be back at the end of the podcast with a bit more chat and to reveal the winners of our recent competition. Uh, so we'll speak to you then, but we'll just get on with the podcast just now. See you then. The blank page. To some, it's terrifying, an obstacle to overcome. But we prefer to think of it as an opportunity, a blank canvas to be filled with all of the adventures and characters in our head. So how to overcome that fear? Well, we all know the best advice for a writer is write. Seriously, get words on the page and more will follow. But what about later, when you start trying to pull those threads of what you've written together? What about the character you wrote about way back at the start? Who was she again? What was she carrying? And where did she leave the MacGuffin that she now really needs in the third act? Think about all those top thrillers you like to read. Or that amazing drama you just watched. What did they all have in common? Structure and planning. As aspiring writers ourselves, we've tried many different methods to try and organise all the thoughts about the stories we want to tell. We've been there searching for a piece of scrap paper to note something down, or making a quick note on our phone in between meetings. Or sometimes we'll make a note in whatever notebook we're carrying, or a document on our laptop so we don't forget that great idea. Let's be honest, it can all be a bit messy and it's easy to lose track of everything. And that's when we realise it's not just a story that needs structure and planning, but the way we gather all of our thoughts about it as well. And so we made Page One. Page One is more than just another notebook. It's a place to put down all your ideas for your latest project, divided into easy-to-use sections that will help you plan your story, so that when that blank page comes calling, you're ready to answer. 
And then afterwards, once it's written, we realised you need to plan how to let people read it. So we included a section relating to submissions. Each one is designed for one project. Whether you want to write a book, screenplay, a comic or any other kind of story. We truly believe that when you use it, it will help you get to the main event, writing your story. So we hope this helps. We can't wait to read what you come up with. And remember, every story starts with page one. So I think I'm right in saying that you formerly worked in finance before you became a full-time author. It was becoming an author something that was always the long-term goal or was it just a sort of dream in the background? Well, I'm not sure that you could say long-term goal, but it was something that I like. I always wrote. Uh, you know, I, I was lucky that I was brought up in a, in a, a home where my parents thought that reading is really important and so we were surrounded by books and so I was a big reader and I I, I always wanted to I was so engaged with the characters in the books that I was reading that I, I really wanted to create my own and I would often make up stories about characters and books that I was reading so so it was always there you know I, I, I liked reading I liked in, in school I liked my English lessons I, li- I liked writing stuff Um. But, you know, we're talking, well, at this stage, you know, we're talking a long time ago. And um, the idea for me that um, an Irish woman would, would be a published author and have something um, published outside of my own country was, was that was a, almost like a pipe dream. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of hoped that one day something would be published, but I, I was never, you know, you, you can be sure of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is it that that led you to sort of take those more formal steps into trying to become published then? I think it was in your 30s mm-hmm. I read that that happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, like I said, I'd always written bits and pieces and um, I, I, like, I was very involved in my career in finance, uh, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't what I wanted to do for myself. I mean, it was a, it was a job, basically. <laughs> but uh, I got... One of the guys that I, I worked with um, also had this um, home study institute uh, for people who, who were studying for banking exams. And he asked me, because I, I, I you know, I did have this kind of um, fame for writing things within within the bank, mm-hmm. within my bank and within the financial services areas that I worked, that I could write good memos and I could write, you know, very comprehensible things about difficult subjects so he asked me if I would have a look at what they'd done and if they if I could maybe update it or rewrite it or something and I looked at it and it was fairly incomprehensible and I a couple of took took me a couple of weeks but I I rewrote it and it suddenly occurred to me um that I had one of the reasons that I I hadn't kind of pushed for writing my novel you know was that I was always saying well I don't have time I'm too busy I can only write these in short bits and then I said to myself, my God, you've sat down and written something about something that is so boring and so awkward. <laughs> you need the time to do that. So, so really, it's just an excuse saying that you don't have time is, mm-hmm. is actually just an excuse. And it, it's also, I, I know this sounds a bit mad, but saying that you don't have time and giving you an excuse is also sort of putting off the feeling of doing something that you really want to do, but that you might fail at. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think that's the thing that we're always afraid of is that you pour your heart and soul into something and then people just go, what's that all about? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so so that was it that was actually what gave me what gave me the push to do it was realizing that I was actually making excuses for myself and I was probably just that little bit afraid even though it was something I really really wanted to do and your your first book that you went on to write then was suddenly single I think and that was the first one that got published outside of Ireland, um, outside of Ireland. But um, ah, okay. the first one that I, yeah, the first one that I wrote was actually called uh, "Dreaming of a Stranger." Right. Okay. So, so you, when you wrote your first book, how did you? I was interested how you kind of made that first step. Then you know, finding an agent, getting rejections, all the kind of stuff that authors have to deal with when they make that first step. What what was that like? Well, um, at this stage, it's um, it's about twenty five years ago, so things are are somewhat different now, and I think have moved on and are actually much more author friendly. Um, there's a lot more resources available, like this podcast. There's a lot of resources available for authors. Um, back then, basically, what I did was uh, I, I just looked. There were there were only about three publishers in Ireland, and I I sent my book to one of them, and I made. Which I think is rookie error, actually, uh, because um, I sent it to somebody to a publisher that doesn't didn't at the time really publish the sort of book that I was writing, mm-hmm. and they sent it back and said, um, "We don't do this sort of thing. Um, good luck." <laughs> I realised, gosh, I just need to be thinking about. And actually, the reason that I did that was I I, I knew that there was another publisher who had published a similar sort of book to mine, you know, another, another kind of relationship family story. And I thought that this second publisher might like to do that themselves because the other books have done well. But, I, but actually what I've realised is that publishers, a lot of them like to stay within their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's a good idea um, if, you're, if you're looking for a publisher or an agent to look for a publisher or an agent who actually has people on their list that are writing in the same area as you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not, not going to somebody different who has no expertise in it. Yeah. So that was a kind of early, early learning mm-hmm. experience. Um, and then I <clears throat> approached another publisher and they said to me, well, actually, the book that you've written, which was, I'd say, kind of like a prequel to the book that I actually wrote, um, that, that got published. Mm-hmm. They said, it's, it's, we like the writing, it's, it's very interesting, but um, the characters are too young for us. Again, now maybe it would have. I would have ended up being a young adult author, right? Because yes. maybe they would have published that, but but back then they didn't. So what they said to me was, "Look, if you if you can write this story with the characters as adults, um, you know, rather than late teens and early twenties, if you could do that, we might be interested." So um, I said, "Yeah, okay, I'll have a go." And uh, then I went, uh, you know, I, I was in the kitchen on the phone and, and, and I was sort of very excited, but also terrified. Mm. And then I went up to my room and I went, oh, my God. Somebody said, if I write a book, they might publish it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was like so exciting. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. I think having that feeling of someone's actually saying, I, I'm not wasting my time, you know, there's actually there's some merit to, to what I'm doing is, is, a, is a nice feeling. Act- absolutely absolutely and it was kind of you know okay well if i sit down and i put myself to it, maybe they won't publish it maybe they won't like it, but they liked what i did before mm-hmm. and if i get this right they might like this too so ultimately they did it was another few years in fact before it got published but um that was that was how i started out mm-hmm. and since then i think it's fair to say that you've been 
fairly relentless in in, in the writing. <laughs> it, it, you've, you've released. I, I was trying to count them, but it's certainly over twenty five books uh, since yeah, it, yeah. since that first it, one. It was it was like a dam burst. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, all the all the things that I'd wanted to write about, and all the stuff that had been in the back of my mind, it's just kind of um, spilled out and mm-hmm. kept spilling. You know, and I guess as well, I had a lot of half written things and ideas and short stories that I, I hadn't done much with and and suddenly when somebody published my first book I thought gosh these are still good ideas and maybe I can maybe I can use them and and work with them mm-hmm. and so that's that's basically what I'm, it's all going to go pear-shaped one day I, I know <laughs> at the moment. so I mean I mean how do you how do you manage to have I mean obviously that's a lot of books that's a lot of ideas do you tend to take note of them as they pop up in your head or do you have to sit down and really work through them to create them from scratch? That's why I wish I was good at keeping the notebook. <laughs> I do actually have, sometimes I have great ideas and, and you know, I have them just before going to, to sleep or something and, and you know the way you're meant to have the notebook yeah. by the side of your bed and I, yeah. of course they don't. And I, then the next morning I think, what was that brilliant idea? I, I can't remember. But um, I, I, I think really... Probably you would know yourselves. I think people who who write are very interested in other people, mm-hmm. and you're interested in what makes them tick, and you're interested in why things, why some people act certain ways, or some people react differently to other people, and so those those kind of influences and those kind of thoughts are always going around in your head, um, and then maybe you see something or you hear something that that triggers one particular thing, and you say, yeah. I, I really want to write about this. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the one I want to write about mm-hmm. this time. And oftentimes for me, I find that when I'm writing a book, other ideas come to me and I know that they're not right for the book I'm writing, mm-hmm. but they might be good in in something else. And do you, I mean, this is perhaps a silly question given, given how prolific you have been, but do you ever suffer from, you know, writer's block or, or any, you know, do you have difficulty when you reach a certain point yeah, of a book well, or I something? Think- yeah, I think everybody has has difficulty, and I, I suppose the job of being a writer is overcoming that mm-hmm. difficulty, saying to yourself, "This is what I do, and I should be able to do that." But there's no question. I, I always find when I'm about maybe thirty five or forty thousand words into a book, which is really too far to give up, yeah, and <laughs> not far enough to see the finish line. I, I I panic, and I think this is the worst idea I've ever had. And, <laughs> You know, the only solution to this book is, you know, Armageddon. <laughs> Wiped out. So, so like you always have, you always have problems. I, I've never, sat, you know, sat down for weeks and said, I can't write anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, again, if you're kind of looking for thoughts on that, I guess my, my feeling would be, I would do something different. Mm-hmm. I would write something different. I, like I have two, two methods for that. And one is, to go out and do something physically active. Um, I play a bit of sport, so I go and do that. Or else I write something, you know, maybe factual. Mm-hmm. You know, I write about something factual. And it, that kind of... Clears the way. Know, clears yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah. sometimes you are too close to it, and sometimes you just need to step back mm-hmm. yeah. and give yourself breathing space. It is remarkable, actually. Not- Sorry, Tar. It, I was no. just going to say, it's remarkable that, that, you know, we've spoken to a lot of authors... And it is. It does seem to be around that thirty-five thousand, forty thousand word mark that everyone seems to have that sort of panic yeah. of like, 
I think that's when go? all you suddenly have all the self doubts and you think to yeah. yourself, oh, no, this is not good enough and it's not working out the way I thought. And I had this brilliant idea and I'm not doing it justice. And I, I call it locked room. I, I kind of feel all my characters in one room and I don't know how to, yeah. how to get them out again. <laughs> yeah. I think in some ways it's quite um, reassuring almost to know that, you know, it's almost part of the process that kind of feeling of like, oh, I do not know what I'm doing. This is. You know, because as you say, you have a, an idea in, in, in your head, but that's the finished item. That's when you've done your redrafting and you've cut away and you've finally honed it. It never comes out first time on the page like it is in your head. Never, never. And, you know, I, I think that's actually probably good as well, you know, because you have something in your head fine. But, you know, when you start to write and the characters develop and the story develops, it moves away a lot mm-hmm. of the time from the very the original idea. But I think that's a good thing because it's, it's, you know, the story has taken its own path and okay, from time to time you keep having to nudge it back to a, a particular way. Mm. But um, the, I, I think the creative part is that the story and the characters take on this life and they suddenly they start pushing you yeah. and they, then you push mm-hmm. them. And I think you have to let that happen. Yeah, that, that's for me, that's one of the most exciting bits of writing is when you suddenly find your character's doing or saying something that it's, it's almost sub you know you weren't expecting them to do it but it, it takes you off on a new path and it, it's yeah. when they start to become sort of real in your mind i think when that yeah when that sort of thing and I, think, and, and I think we've had that moment where you know you're trying to force a scene and it's just not working and then it's, it's because you you kind of realize he wouldn't do that or she would she would do yeah. something different that's why it's not working because it doesn't feel true to the character mm-hmm. and it, it, it always does work and, better and, when they're true and that's very true because I, I remember one of my early books and it was the first time it really kind of s- struck me. I had, from the very start, I had a particular scene in my head and I thought, you know, this is a great scene and I really liked it. When it came to the point of writing that scene, the character moved on from doing what mm-hmm. I thought that she would do in the scene. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my God, I, I wrote it anyway. And then I wrote and then I said, okay, this 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 is wrong and I have to cut this and it was devastating on on the one hand but on the other hand it was well you know that that that's what mm-hmm. happens yeah it's what's best for the book at the end of the day yes exactly yeah. exactly and so do you spend a lot of time uh, planning out your stories or do you have just sort of a rough guide in your head before you actually start writing the thing proper yeah I'm a terrible planner okay. um, <laughs> I don't um, somebody said to me before, are you a planner or a pantser? Yes. <laughs> and, um, but I, the one thing I do is before I start writing a novel, I would spend like, you know, at least six weeks, if, if not more, mm-hmm. thinking about it um, before, I, before I start to do anything at all. And I'm thinking about the characters and I, I'm having... You know, I'm, I'm I'm envisaging scenes in my head, which is how you know you sometimes get a scene that you end up yeah. junking when you start to write. But I'm kind of envisaging how, what that the journey of the book is going to be like for them, and and so so I've done a lot of of I wouldn't say planning, but you know, getting to know them mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. I start. Um, and I have a few ideas about where the the story should go, but they are pretty vague. Mm-hmm. They are pretty vague, and and then as I start to write, I may hit hit all those points, or I may not. So does that mean that you essentially have to do quite a lot of drafts once you've because you kind of doing as you, as you go? Does it tend to mean more more drafts afterwards? 
Um, yeah, although I'm I'm the kind of person as well who who I will write. You know, I usually start off um, and do maybe about five chapters. You know, and and I don't go back. I don't look at anything, and I get the five chapters. And when I have that done, then I look back at it. Right. And okay. I kind of say to myself, okay, what am I trying to do, and where is it going? And mm-hmm. and so I'll redraft those chapters, mm-hmm. and then after that, it's a kind of a two and three chapters forward, and then redraft. So yeah. I never never have one huge manuscript that I've never looked at it the whole lot from mm-hmm. beginning to end and then sit down and look at it and start yeah. again because I don't I could I, I think there'll be too much work in doing that. But it's a kind of a you know, three steps forward, two steps back yeah. process. Yeah, that's quite an interesting way way of doing it when you you kind of you're always checking to make sure how things are going and, and I suppose you're mm-hmm. you it's not too much work to have to rejig uh, you know, ten thousand words or so if you need to yeah. It makes it easier. It makes it easier, but I think it also keeps on um, reinforcing the characters in your head. Mm-hmm. You know, so as you move on, they definitely don't do something that's out of character mm-hmm. unless unless you want them to. You know, um, and sometimes you, sometimes I've read drafts, early drafts of books, and I try not to do that very often because I find it very confusing. But not, not of my own work. You know, of mm-hmm. other people. Yes, there's a lot of. There's a lot of jumping around, and I think it's really hard to fix that. Mm. Um, and it's like, you know, by the end, the character has changed into somebody else completely. And um, I feel that if you if you, if you you work in a kind of a backwards-forwards, backwards-forwards yeah. way, you stay in with the character the whole way along. It, it works yeah. for me. It may not work for other people. No, but I can, it, it, it does make a lot of sense that, especially... You know, especially if your book is plot heavy, it could be very important to do that because otherwise, you can, yeah. to try and fix something a way back at the start can be very difficult mm-hmm. if you've then written loads after it. Well, it's a kind of interesting point about plot as well. Um, I mean, my my books are very character driven, mm-hmm. but there is a plot, there is a plot mm-hmm. as well. But they they are character driven. I I remember once um, reading a book by. A, a, person who who it was a not an early draft but it, it you know it was a published manuscript and um it was very plot driven and uh, and the characters just didn't seem real and i asked him how he had gone about writing it and he said that he had done an excel flow chart about how the thing would work out and he stuck to that and that was the problem mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The problem yeah. was he'd done a particular flowchart and stuck with it, even though you're kind of thinking there are things happening here that should that should change the course of this mm-hmm. plot. Yeah, um, and it was an interesting thing for me, you know, uh, and made me feel quite happy about my lack of <laughs> lack of planning. <laughs> I mean, it's true. I've definitely found there's times when when I'm writing something like a novel length and. You get feeling near the end, and suddenly you think, "Ah, oh, the characters now clicked, and that's who it is." And yeah, you, you do have to go back, and it is a massive job saying, "Okay, that's the that's not who they are. They would do this," and you do end up thinking this whole plot strand doesn't work anymore. And so, so actually, I really like the idea of going back every ten, kind of fifteen thousand words or so, and just checking in, making sure everything's still working, and so it's yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> and and you're, speaking of your characters, I mean, all your books uh, centre around female protagonists, um, mm-hmm. and they're always, I think, in real, you know, recognisable real life situations. It's 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 they're they're things that regular people can can imagine very easily. I think. Um, is it important for you to write books 
from that perspective, you know, I didn't. I don't know when you broke into the market if there were that many books that did that at that time. Well, I, I mean, certainly at the start when I was, um, you know, when I was sitting down and saying I wanted to write books, I did want to write um, books with female characters mm-hmm. and and fairly ordinary female characters. Um, I felt, uh, and I've like I've always felt, you know, when you look back over even great literature that very many of the female characters were side characters. You uh-huh. know, they were add-ons. They were somebody's wife. or They were always being described as somebody's wife or somebody's mother or yeah. somebody's girlfriend or somebody's daughter. And they weren't telling their own stories. And certainly at the time that I started writing, there were very few stories about, you know, women who were not in, in kind of um, this more subservient type of relationship. There were very few stories about women who were going out and having to go to work and juggle family and mm-hmm. juggle children and mm-hmm. and do all those things that people do every day. Yeah. Um, and it was as though those stories were not interesting. And yet there are some really interesting things that go on in ordinary lives, in mm-hmm. suburban lives. And, and that was what I wanted to write about. But I wanted to make sure that the women were the ones who were telling their own stories and it wasn't being told from somebody else's point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, was that, so that's, was that... that's why I go on that road that route you know was that lack of voice back then was that because there was less kind of female authors who were writing about that point of view you think or is, is that something that's changed now is, there, is it still hard for women to get into the industry a little bit no i think it has changed i think there are a lot more books um uh with with female protagonists and and there are a lot of female writers i think generally in you know in in talking about i suppose if you if you talk about literature as opposed to to storytelling which is the way i would kind of divide it up um i i, I think you know stories with male protagonists still do better um i think you know if, if you're going down that literature route i think i don't know whether it's that men are more the guardians of uh, or the gatekeepers of that kind of writing or want to be um but i but certainly in the last 20 odd years women's voices have come much more to the fore and and um, are getting much more recognition and are doing well. So so that is a welcome change. Mm-hmm. And your your latest book is the Women Who Ran Away, which is uh, out in July, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Is it still coming out in July? Because there's always the yes yes. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. originally to come out in May and it's now pushed ah, right. out to okay, July, so right. it's very definitely coming out. Okay, excellent, excellent. <laughs> um, do you want to tell us a little bit about about that book and how that came about? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, this is this is actually the story of two women, and it's kind of I suppose in my head it was a female friendship thing, um, because I think women again are very very supportive of each other. There's a kind of a narrative that, that people like to say that women are cat fighters and that they resent each other and that they, you know, that they will bicker. And, and it, But that's not entirely the case. And in, in the case of the women who ran away, there are two women who don't know each other at the start of the novel. They meet on a ferry going from Ireland to France. Both of them are, are alone and both of them are driving. Both of them are alone and both have reasons that they want to get away and be on their own. Um, and when they they meet up, they end up, um, I won't go into why, but they, they end up traveling together um, due to various circumstances. And they both realize without knowing each other that there are issues going on in, in their lives. And in, in reluctantly at first, but in sharing what, what has brought them to the point that they're at and talking it through, 
they they support each other even though they don't necessarily agree with each other mm-hmm. both women are doing things that the other woman disagrees with in in certain ways but it's kind of how do you how do you support somebody even if you don't agree with them do you support somebody if you mm-hmm. don't agree with them mm-hmm. um there's actually another thread that runs through this because it's a journey they travel from from the to think about this now the uh, northwest of france down to the southeast of spain so it's a physical journey. It's obviously a journey of discovery, but on the way, um, one of the women has been left. She's been left a treasure hunt, basically, by her late husband. Right. And um, she's having to, she has decided to do this in, in his memory, even though she thinks he's still controlling her because that's one of the issues that she has. So she's doing this treasure hunt and the other woman is obviously helping her. And so um, while I'm trying to deal on one, on the one hand with these with the issues that the women are facing um, and the issue of, in some ways, of control um, and various other topics that interest me. On the other hand, I have this, what I think is quite a nice little treasure hunt going through Mm -hmm. as they explore different places. So I like to mix, you know, some darker themes with with light and and something interesting for them to Mm -hmm. do. When you're writing characters like that, I suppose this goes back to plot and character a bit as well, but is it it's important i think to try and get all sides of a character both the good and the bad and the the mm-hmm. you know the flawed nature of them which i think some people can have quite a difficult time in writing because they are too obsessed with i have to move the story forward to this end mm-hmm. point that i've got in my head do, do you i mean you've kind of already covered a bit of this but do you focus mainly on building up the characters and then just letting seeing where they go even if it isn't ultimate the ultimate end destination that you want to go to yeah yeah i mean i do and i think the character and building the character is really important it's it's, it's like you know peeling an onion in reverse i suppose it's mm-hmm. like you know it's just, yeah. you know, with the layers of that character and, and getting to know them i think it is important i, I did think okay there are some books that are so fast moving that you can get away with the characters just being plastic kind of paper cut out then you just say oh well that's fine i'll just go with it but i think um for the majority of of books and the the reader likes to care about the character like you know and and they like to know that they're flawed and they you know i don't just write great kind people Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know i I also (laughs) write people who are not you know and and it's interesting to explore those those different types of characters you know i think that's the thing about for me writing it's exploring the mindsets of people who are maybe not like you you know mm-hmm. who don't think the same way yeah. yet, or doing things differently and reacting differently to how you would it's it's kind of like acting without being on the stage <laughs> <laughs> and you know if you've, you've you see the number of books that, that you've written in, in the past and you're um is it important do you think to treat writing as uh, as a, I hate to use this phrase, as, as a proper job, you know, in the same way you would do any other type of work and to have a routine and to, or, or, is it, or do you prefer to be more flexible and just write whenever you feel like the inspiration hits you? Okay, well, there. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure you know about that quote that says, I write when inspiration hits me and I make sure it hits me at nine o'clock every morning. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to be realistic. You have to say to yourself, okay, I'm writing a book. And a book is going to be 100,000 words. 
they are not going to write themselves. You're not going to get that done. You know, you know, you have to treat that as I understand that job is a difficult word to use or it, it just kind of makes it sound so not creative. Mm-hmm. But the creative part, I suppose, there are two creative parts. One one is that you've thought of this idea. And the other part about that, that that's the creative stuff. The, the other creative part is getting it down as as well as you can. You know, bringing your idea to the page the best way you can. Mm-hmm. Sure, there's a lot of, there's a lot of it that's that's what I would call technical afterwards, you know, when you're looking at the re- rereading and redrafting and things like that. But it is creative to sit down and and write and just let it let it flow, you know. Um, but it's not going to happen by itself. And you have to say to yourself, as I did, like, you know, when I was when I was doing the, the uh-huh. manual initially. Yeah. OK, I have, this is something I have to get done. Mm-hmm. And when I. When I took that on board for writing writing a book, I said, okay, if I want to get it done, I am going to have to sit down for a certain period of time. Um, Maeve Binchy, who, who, the late Maeve Binchy, who, who I knew, although not very well, but I met her a number of times, I remember her once saying that if you wrote a page a day, you'd have a book written in a year. And that broke it down in a, into a really, you know, accessible thing. Mm-hmm. So, because you say to yourself, well, a page a day is, surely that's not, too difficult obviously sometimes a page a day is actually crucifying yeah. but, um, <laughs> um, you know it kind of made you think yes you have to allocate time that's what it did for me it wasn't that a page a day but I said you have to allocate time so I, I mean I do try and allocate time but within that I would be flexible you know I don't say that it has to be nine o'clock every morning but I said to myself I need to do two hours this morning mm-hmm. and they could be nine to 11 or they could be 11 to one or so mm-hmm. you know what I mean I, I, I can be flexible within that but I also say I need to do a certain amount Um another thing I do which which may help people you know when they're kind of feeling a bit daunted by the amount of words or what, what you're trying to do is I I tend to write in scenes rather than getting obsessed about the word count so I'll say to myself you know today I'm going to maybe say the the women who ran away today i'm going to deal with their journey from um la rochelle to bordeaux mm-hmm. and i'm going to deal with that part of it and that could take 500 words it could take 2000 words if i do as much of that part of it as i can then um then i'll be happy and within that maybe i'll kind of look at a bit where i'll say okay this is where they are in the cafe or this is where they are here mm-hmm. You know, and so I take that and I say, okay, let's work on that bit in the cafe. Let's 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 get that down and see how it goes. And so if you do that and you set shorter targets for yourself or easier targets for yourself, Mm -hmm. then you get to see in the cafe. You say, okay, that's still part of this journey. And now I can do the next bit. Yeah. And it makes it easier. Yeah. I think as well, is it not true if you if you've done like a little scene like that and and you find it's clicked well and you're in the flow, you probably want to keep on, you know, probably end up writing oh, perhaps way more than you're planning to. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, because it gives you that push each time to, mm-hmm. to move ahead and move ahead. And I think that's, that's the, the thing that you need as a writer is, is that impetus to keep going mm-hmm. and because it is hard, you know, I mean, it's hard even just physically sitting down in front of your laptop and, and typing all the time. Mm-hmm. It is difficult. So, um, leaving aside the creative part of it, you know, the physical part of it is, is tiring. So, so you need things to, to push yourself on and, and motivate yourself. 
but you also do stuff out with the writing as well because I think you you spend a lot of time helping people with their literacy. Um, I think I read you've worked on various TV projects to help people struggling with reading and writing, um, and you're board member of Fighting Words, which is the centre mm-hmm. uh, founded by Roddy Doyle. Um, is is that important? as important to you as, as the writing to try and help others as well. Yes, I, I mean, it is. And I guess one of the things uh, that I always found when I was listening to, to people talking about, um, you know, literacy and helping people to read, they were always saying, oh, well, you need to be able to do it to, to you know, read forms and, and fill in forms and do things like that. And that's absolutely true. But what I tried to take with me to those um, those scenarios was, it's a joyful thing. Mm-hmm. Reading for mm-hmm. pleasure is, is a joyful thing. And, you know, you don't have to say somebody, okay, you're doing this because you need to do it. Like, let's say you're doing it because you will enjoy doing it. Once you click, once you've cracked this, there's a whole world open to you. Mm-hmm. And, and um, it has been great. I mean, one of the, one of the, the fantastic things uh, out of the, the literacy books that we did was, was a, a letter that I got from somebody who said that my book was the first book he had ever read in his life. Wow! And you know, you just think to yourself, "Oh my God!" Yeah, that was that was amazing. Like it was, it was just, it was such a great feeling. Mm-hmm. And um, so, what when you know, when I'm looking at this literacy, I'm I'm saying to people, "Look, there's a whole area that's closed off to you, a whole area of joy and enjoyment." And if we can, if we can crack this, and you can read a book, and it's a short book, but you still enjoy it. Um, it's opening up so much more yeah. in your life. So, so that was why I got involved um, on, on that. And, and the fighting words, um, we concentrate more on young children and helping them to be creative. Um, and it's a really, it's a fantastic, it's a fantastic setup. And there's, there's no pressure on them. But you know, children are creative anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just helping them to be creative in different ways. So, so I love both of those things. It sounds like it's incredibly kind of satisfying. Very know. satisfying, yeah. 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 It, it must be great as well getting uh, letters from people that have read your books. You know, it's not it's not something you necessarily think about when you're writing something, but, you know, to get that, because that's really all, all we all want is one person to, to read the story and enjoy the story <laughs> that you've written, you know, yeah. um, other than yourself. So, to get that feedback, do you, do you get a lot of letters about from your fans um, about your writing and stuff? Well, well, now of course people contact you through yeah. me through social mm-hmm. media mainly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, people, readers. I guess I was a reader before I was a, a writer, you know. And as a reader, uh, if if a book means something to you, if if, if you really enjoyed it, um. It's great to be able to say to the person, and and I would do I do do that myself on social media. If I read a book that I like, I'll contact them and say, Got, "Really enjoyed your book. You know that was great." It's lovely to be able to do that. It's lovely to get the mm-hmm. feedback um, as well as as the writer. So, I mean, I think the the community of of readers and writers has expanded so much more through through social media and being able to, to get in touch. I mean, I remember when I was a kid and. Um, you know, I was reading books and, and you wouldn't think that you would ever be able to get in touch with the author. You know, mm-hmm. they were somebody. Yeah. yeah. And now you can. Mm. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I think it's nice. And also, if you've been ages slaving away over the whole <laughs> yeah. keyboard, 
it's nice to hear that somebody has actually gone out, spent money and bought your book. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose it's nice because, you know, as as as, you say, as a reader, being able to contact writers, it's it's also nice when they get back to you because you think, oh, I've actually, I'm actually having a chat with this person whose book I love reading. Yeah. And there's a thrill from that as from the reader's point of view, but it's nice to know there's also a kind of similar thrill from the writer's point of view who... Um, you know, it, it, it kind of goes it goes each, each yeah. way. It's not just it, it, the reader. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it'd be called, um, I, it, it, it is a two way thing, and and it, you know, for me, reading has always been a joy, and writing is a joy as well. And it's nice to to share it and mm-hmm. spread it. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so I would say, always, always, never be afraid of saying to a writer, "I've enjoyed your book." When <laughs> they're out signing, as you sometimes see, you know, you go into bookstores and you're signing a few copies, mm-hmm. and, and Sometimes people have said, oh, yeah, I saw you, but I didn't want to go up. And I'm going, why? I mean, I've been let out for the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <exactly. Yeah. laughs> I know. It's, it's a very solitary thing, of course, writing, isn't it? So it's, it, it is nice to have these interactions. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you do spend a lot of time on your own. And, um, and, and most writers write because, you know, I think we are introverted people, really. You know, I, I mean, I, I'm not somebody who, who likes going out or, or, or you know I've, I do actually find it quite difficult being interviewed and stuff because I, I just don't think that it's that interesting for me but for, for people listening to me but you know at the same time it's it's nice to meet the people who have read your books it is nice to get out and do that yeah because then you you realize I think when you're on your own all the time you, you kind of just become smaller and smaller and smaller mm-hmm. and then suddenly you need to burst out again yeah and um, because no episode of the podcast can go without a mention of lockdown, I do have to ask, how have you found it during all this? You know, has it changed the way you write or the type of stories that you want to tell going forward? Um, well, I actually struggled with it a lot at the start um, because I just felt, for, for the first time, I, I just felt very uncreative. Um, mm. Even though I had things in my head, I just didn't feel like... Um, writing them and so I think for, like we we went into lockdown I think on like the 17th of March and I think it was a f- kind of full month before I before I felt happy sitting in front of the typewriter you know I I, I mm-hmm. laptop um I, I just I just found it difficult I, and it's it's interesting it's interesting because I had said you know that we're so enclosed and so cut off mm-hmm. um, and so everybody's saying but this is great for you yeah. and yet I realized that my creativity is actually sparked by, I mean, just going out and walking yeah. out to the shops or, just, you know, seeing people and we weren't seeing anybody. And I, I really struggled a lot with that. But um, as as things have moved on a little bit, um, I found it easier. I mean, I do have kind of thoughts about bits that you could write about lockdown, but I don't, I'm not sure about a whole lockdown novel, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, the, the, the thing about people is, is the interactions and the moving and that what goes on with them? And sure, you can. I, I don't, I'm just not sure. I want to write a novel about Zoom meetings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I think people are probably. Yeah, I'm certainly sick of them, so I'm not sure. How, uh, I mean, people, how, how much they would enjoy reading about them. <laughs> and uh, so we've got the women who ran away coming out in July. What is what's next? What are you working on at the moment? Well, yes, I, I'm. I am actually working on um, on a novel after that, and that's the one that got kind of pushed to the wayside a little bit. Um, but again, uh, you know, I, I would have a female protagonist, and I have 
quite a lot of ideas about what's what's happening to her and she's kind of I guess you know the sort of person that people look at and despair somewhat and uh, so I there's always something you uh-huh. know I think what what happens to me there is there is always something like I said when I'm writing one book I think I think of an idea for another book and and it just happens and I'm kind of keeping my fingers crossed that it will continue um to to just happen and hopefully then you know I'll be able to get back because obviously our, our work with fighting words has been distant as well and, mm-hmm. and hopefully we'll be able to go back and and do things more face to face there as well Excellent. and i also i'm also involved in a in a literary festival which takes place in a shopping center and um, because we were trying to bring literary festivals into the community more than you know because mm-hmm. they do have a slightly different um they have a, a kind of more refined tone yeah. to them. I think a lot of literary festivals and <laughs> So the shopping centre, and we thought, you know what, why not do one here? So that's that. That hopefully um, uh, will will happen. It's it's due to happen at the end of September, and we're just discussing because shopping centres are only just yeah. reopening. Mm-hmm. So we're discussing how how we will be able to go ahead and how we might manage that. So um, so lots of things Excellent. on the horizon. Excellent. Fingers crossed. What was the last book that you read? The last book? Oh, gosh, I wish I had thought of this. Um, <laughs> I'm actually reading, I've, I've almost finished, so I, I'll call this the last yeah. book I read, um, Big Girl, Small Town. Right. Um, and, oh, gosh, Maraid, Gleason. I'm not, sorry, sorry that I can't remember. This is one of the problems now because I've had to download books onto my oh, yeah. iPad. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm run out of my print pile and so I don't remember the names of it as well because I don't have it in front of yeah, me. Yeah, you'll see them but, as well, um, sure. Yeah, uh, it's just recently been nominated for the uh, Women in Comedy Writers Awards. Brilliant. And it's, it's, it's I think that the tagline is Dairy Girls Meets Milkman. And um, <laughs> it's it's set in Northern Ireland. It's very, very specific, but it, it's it's excellent. So, so really enjoying it. Brilliant. Nice. Uh, TV show, what was the last show you watched? I am watching Das Boot. Oh, cool. It's brilliant. It's, do you know what's really interesting? That it's um, like there are parallels to today, you know, in terms of of looking at bad things happening and good people staying silent. Mm-hmm. And so there, there are just some, some kind of quite stark parallels, but it's excellent. And if you're not watching it, I recommended highly excellent and uh, what was the last film you saw the last film i saw um i'm not really I'm, I'm, i've kind of got very much into the episodic tv yeah. trams uh-huh. now yeah and um, i think the last film was probably something that was on the tv that i wasn't really watching so yeah. i haven't been mm-hmm. out of the cinema obviously <laughs> so um so it was, it was probably something like frozen 2 or take-home message I think from that episode for me was her writing style which I found quite unusual but I can totally see that working for me that kind of write uh, five chapters or so go back revise that write the next yeah the sort of uh, chunks what is it three steps forward two steps back or something but yeah yeah yeah. I think that is a good idea like she was saying I think that way you're always going to have consistency in the characters that you're writing um, because you're not just driving ahead so that when you get to the end of the book, suddenly everything's changed. 
Yeah, yeah. And I think it also means you've got a little bit less work to do on the second draft. Because I know for mm-hmm. me, my first drafts are normally absolutely, you know, steaming piles of crap. And you have to go back and, and make so many changes. And, and so many ideas pop, come into your head halfway through or three quarters through that the start needs to be overhauled completely. Whereas if you're going doing it as you go in little chunks, you're kind of keeping it all together as you as you move forward, which I quite like. Yeah, I think that's right. And it, yeah, it, it just it's going to be an easier thing to deal with the, the revision process even when you do get you know to revising the whole thing it won't be such as such a bigger exactly. task yeah yeah and yeah. um, so thanks very much to sheila for coming yeah. on the podcast really nice chat. yeah it, we really enjoyed that and thought it was uh, full of useful hints and tips and hope you did as well um we have recently run a competition for one of our previous guest books uh, thomas welsh kindly gave us two signed copies of his book anna undreaming and also we threw in uh, a couple of our page one notebooks. So it's time to draw the winners for that, Tarek. So do you want All to right. let people know uh, let just who has won? Tombola spinning up here. <laughs> Let's see. So the first person who has won a copy of the book and the page one notebook is at Graham Moody D. Congratulations, Mr. Moody D. Excellent. And the second one? Second one, let me just have a look in here. So many, so many entries, Marco, to sift through. Oh, here we go. <clears throat> At Matty Provost. Matty Provost. Okay, great. Well, um, I'll uh, DM uh, both of you to ensure that we get your details and we can get those those prizes sent out to you. So thanks very much for entering. Yeah. Next week, we've got another great guest on the podcast, Tendai Huchu, who wrote The Hairdresser of Harare back in 2010, which was, uh, I think, on The Guardian's Not the Booker Prize list. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, I think that's right. It was quite quite a quite a high-profile book. Yeah, well. and then it, since then he's, he's written some more books, but also he writes quite a lot of short stories across genres, um, most notably, for me anyway, the sci-fi stories that he's written as well. So uh, it's another great chat that we had with Tendai and... Uh, hope you'll tune in for that one absolutely as always if anyone has any questions or comments and wants to get in touch with us you can always send us a tweet to at right underscore gear or just send us an email to podcast at rightgear.co.uk and uh, i think that's about all from us i will as usual ask you if you enjoyed the podcast to give us a quick rating on apple podcasts we'd really appreciate that and otherwise we'll speak to you next week see you then